0: This is Popular Front, a podcast focused on the very niche and kind of geeky details of modern warfare with me, Jake Hanrahan. Today we're speaking again to Habat Abbas. She's a journalist and filmmaker born and raised in Khmishli in northeast Syria, also known as Rojava. And she's going to be speaking about the current Turkish invasion on Rojava and the Turkish-backed militias that are roaming around murdering civilians on camera. One of the civilians murdered actually was a friend of Habat's. I was gonna do a big kind of round table for this episode with analysts and all of this. Um, but I thought you know what there's actually something more valuable than just listening to the eyewitness account of somebody from Rajava and I trust Habat very much. She's a great journalist so I think everybody else can just have a listen. Um, sorry about the sound it's not great but you know Habat is in rojava right now so it is what it is. If you like what we're doing, please support us at patreon.com slash popularfront. Hey,
1: how are you?
0: Yeah, I'm good. How are you?
1: Uh, I don't know. Fine, let
0: So yeah, where are you? You're in commissary right now?
1: Yeah, I'm in yeah. yes, Yesterday I was in Shadar.
0: Okay. Um, so maybe you can start then, what, it's been like over a week now when the invasion started. You know, you were there when it happened. Maybe you can just go back to, like, last week and explain what happened. What was everybody's reaction when uh, Turkey announced that they were going to invade?
1: Actually, the announcement of the uh, Turkish president, Tayyip Erdogan, it was, like, not a surprise because time to time, all, all, all over this last year, they were always, like, sent a threat to uh, attack the of Syria. And the people, in a way, didn't take it seriously. Uh, In the first, when the shelling started, I was in Sereqanya, and uh, there was a tent for protesters in front of the border, of the Turkish border. Uh, And suddenly, we saw, like, there was a a, a jets, uh, and they started to boom. And the population started to, you know, push each other. There was a little bit before that day, uh, some people start to move from the city, but not really like a big influx. But that moment when it happened, everyone started to rush, to push, the cars started to push each other. And uh, people were panicked, you know, they said, they saw that it's not a joke, it's real and they are airstriking, not even a uh, shell, it was airstrike in the very beginning. Uh, on the way, when we just go out from the city, um, there was ambulances went to the uh, place that the bombardment uh, uh, took place uh, it was on the border so we get out of the city on the way, uh, I didn't know it that it's uh, an, all over the cities uh, my mom she called and she said where are you I said in home in Qamishli and then she said prepare yourself we'll be out I didn't know it like uh, no what's happening she said you don't hear the bombardment and then I realized that it's in Qamishli then in Derik, then and all over the city. Almost last week, uh, it's only the uh, hasaka city haven't been shelled or extract or bombarded. Otherwise, all the cities in northeast of Syria have been uh, attacked. Not only that, uh, the things, as you said, the events too fast, the slipper still started to uh, move, ISIS slipper still started to move. The population started to it gets worse. Shelters open it in Al-Hasaka city, basically. Um, I mean, all this, you know, or usually when the war is happened, usually there is a lot of effect. And, and all this happened. No one was prepared. Neither NGO, nor administration. No one. So I don't know exactly. It's, it's a lot of events, to be honest. Like, now I'm, I'm thinking about it, it's too crowded. So maybe we can start it specifically from one field to another.
0: First of all, we saw a lot of shelling in kamishli you know, kids were dying, you went to the hospital, you saw all these kids, you know, maybe you can talk about that.
1: So regarding the injuries, as I said, I was heading from Surikani to Kamshli. I arrived to Qamshli, I went to the hospital because the injuries started to uh, arrive to the hospitals. The first victims, it was a family, Syrian family, and uh, uh, both couples have been severely injured. Then we received the, uh, the another family from the west of Qamishri and also civilians and they were severely injured. For me, it was a shock in a way because when I saw the Syrian man and I talked to him, he was like, uh, I am innocent, I am civilian, I didn't do anything, and he started to cry. I mean, to be honest, whenever I was interviewing those people, I was crying before them. This is my city, those are my population. Even I'm a journalist, all over these years I covered the war. At this time it's so heavy even me I have been displaced because my house it was like close to the military base so I have been displaced also it was too heavy for me also to just pack my stuff after all these years we saw that it came over after all that suffering and pain it came over so I went also I didn't all this happened next day there was another shelling and there is a child named Sarah she lost her leg so all this um, We went there. I remember Sarah's grandfather. He was uh, looking to me, elderly man, and he was just himself. I didn't have a word for him. He was like, she's a child. She's a child. And I was just shaking my head. I was like, yes, I can see that. There is nothing, I, there is no explanation for this. I cannot say anything. All the families were down, all, everyone. And every day there was more and more injuries, civilian. Basically, the civilian with uh, the heavy cases, let's say, that I met, it was more in Summer hospital because Sereganiye is one of the cities uh, which is more brutal attack it's on Sereganiye. So when um, uh, the civilian, military, uh, the civilian and the military injuries, they are first came to Tultamos because it's the closest city. Uh, so they received them it was too crowded there was two rooms for the operation and it was full as already blood everywhere people panicked in the uh, reception area there was a lot of uh, families they came and they asked him about their you know their children's name that moment i was like looking to them how how the father there was the elderly father he was like um, asking their this name muhammad did you receive him did you receive him and the guy he was like yeah we received him we referred him I could see on the face of the father that he became disappointed because when you fare a case from Tiltamer to Hasaka, that means it's so severe and it's so critical that they couldn't handle it in Tiltamer. It's just the first day that they first. I mean, I could see the reaction of the people. We came, you know, last years, more than seven years, we, we faced all the kinds of enemies in this region. But this time, always there was something different, which is the morals of the population. Always it was different. This time you can't see, no one can smile, no one. It's, people are just, you know, sailing in the emptiness. They are just looking in a nowhere. No one can see anything. You can, you can, never we saw these faces. Always there was a determination, there was a motivation, there was a morals. This time the betraying of the Americans, it's really this feeling of betraying it's it's hurt us more than the the attack of the turk turk already all the people population of this region they know it that they were going to attack but the betraying of the americans this is what no one know about it no one expected so the people in shock from the americans not from the turk
0: Right, and I think a lot of people forget that. People say, oh, well, obviously the Americans were going to abandon them at some point. But civilians don't think about that day-to-day, you know. They're just trying to get on with it.
1: But, uh, they didn't inform that they were going to withdraw in advance. There was already patrols patrols between the Americans and the Turks or between uh, uh, Surakani and Tel Aviyad. And uh, they, they forced the, the, the YPJ in order to uh, destroy all this defence. So the, the betrayal, you know, there is a level for the betrayal. Yeah. They have a basement in Kobani and different places. They bombardment, they, they, they explode everything there, and then they left. Why they didn't handle it to the YPG? Are Why they are destroying and burning every, even the armored cars. Why? So there is a level for the betrayal even, you know? But the Americans, they get to the level like the people just more in shock. I cannot express this. People are like just, uh, is that possible? Because you feel like, okay, they will withdraw. They will withdraw, but minimum, they were going to lift the ammunition, they will going to lift the armored cars. Minimum, they do things like uh, to show they are uh, respected at uh, least minimum. But every day we are discovering a new face from this betrayal. Every day we are seeing a new level of this betrayal. And it's too much. This is what, we, what is hurting the, the military and the civilian.
0: Yeah, are there, are there any US troops left, do you know, uh, at any points? From what I saw, it looks like almost all of them are gone.
1: Yeah, their the basement in Kobani, in Manbij, in. Um, there is the basement of Kobani, Manbij, and Isa. They left. I mean, to the west of the earth. Uh, but the east of the earth, still, they have uh, their basement in uh, Toniko, Haqlul Omar, um,
0: Shaddadi... Um, I mean, there is your anti Hasaki governor in a way. OK, maybe let's talk about these these mercenary groups, these so-called, you know, some people call them Turkish FSA. But, you know, the FSA were real rebels that rose up against the government. Like these guys, in my opinion, at least, uh, are mercenaries because they're, you know, they're going to fight on behalf of Turkey, not on behalf of Syria. Um, tell us about them what have they been doing because basically Turkey seems to be allowing them to fight their ground war as you said
1: they are they supposed to be FSA which is free Syrian army supposed to be uh, this army have been established to defend the Syrian and the freedom of the, the Syrian but unfortunately they became now a tools in the hand of uh, uh, Turkey and they have been mixed with the jihadists with the, the remains of the ISIS and we are not saying that because we want, I mean there is the evidence there is a the photos there is a the videos there is even their slogans, their songs, everything when they can it's the same slogans and 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 the symbols of the isis not only that they became they they have their hands with the shahada and they said it's a Baqiya baqya and Baqiya it's a islamic state which is it will stay it will sustain and this is very dangerous. it's not just about this region that's mean to everyone to understand that those group it's not only jihadi normal jihadi they are experienced isis who have been left and remains, and Turkey kept them and sent them back. Not only that, it's proves that, uh, that are the same acts, the same way of, of um, approach with the civilian. Basically, they have this approach. Uh, I mean, since they, they arrived, at the first, the second or third day, it was uh, when they uh, they implemented this execute the executions um, against this politician, the head of the uh, party, Recep. Uh, And you could see in the video how horrible they are. Even they killed her, they didn't stop. They were, one of them, he was saying to the others, filmed me, and he was shooting on the body, on the crops, on the ground. So those people are... I don't know. I don't think there is a description for those uh, people. So not only that, they were executing the uh, people from the medical uh, point, the KRC, Kurdish uh, Cross. And uh, also I heard that from friends in Tel Abyad, they were like uh, selecting the Kurdish families whenever they passed somewhere or some villages. They were going to select who are you from, uh, where are you, and if they discovered you are a court, they were going to execute you directly on this spot, even if you are a civilian, unarmed, not military. So their acts on the ground already have been published all over the world. Uh, they are publishing their videos, and you can see their acts. It's the same if it's not worse than ISIS. It's just ISIS, but they came to take revenge.
0: T- tell us about Haverin. She was your friend, right? You knew her well.
1: Haverin, actually, she is a personal friend of mine. I met her in 2015. I worked with her. She is an engineer. She was, at that time, the co-presidency of the Ministry of the Energy in Romelan City. Uh, I worked there in the media office, and uh, she was next to my office. I remember the first day when um, I started to work there. So she crossed, she passed by my office without saying hi. Then suddenly she came back and uh, she said she apologized. She said um, uh, sorry because always this uh, this office it was empty. I did not say, now you are here. So she even she brought a chocolate and she put it on my table and she said you are welcome. She was always smiling. Uh, Almost always, always quiet, always nice, lovely, uh, formal, professional in her work. Um, I don't know, she's always like, uh, you know, when she is around, you can see her, uh, her charm, her, her character, it's there. So you will going to just only try, she was a good listener. She was always like, uh, understood, respecting everyone. For me, I mean, the video, it's, uh, I don't know, I, I can't describe this. Um, she was just civilian politician One, uh, she, she later worked after the she worked also with the movement uh, um, you know movement uh, I don't know with the movement of the women in, in Rojava in a different world like mm-hmm. a Congress uh, and uh, she worked in this ministry of the energy because she was uh, a engineer uh, then she later was the founder of the Syrian Future Party, which is the the party starting to uh, build this relation with the other ethnicity after the liberation of Raqqa and the result. And uh, she was always making things for them. Uh, even the slogan or, or the city, the, 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 the Motto of this party, it's like a Syrian map in a green, and there is a jasmine uh, flower inside. So she was really like that flower. She was always sitting with the Arab, with the Syriac, with the other ethnicities, and trying to explain to them how it's important to support each other, how it's important to coexistence, how it's important to unify it, uh, in this region, and how it's important to build the future for Syria together. Uh, she was a hard worker, even after the shelling started in the region of Rojava, she was still in Raqqa and in Anissa, and she had been executed horribly uh, by those mercenaries in on the way when she was back to the Rojava on Anissa way. So I think that's explain who, who are those people and what's the background of those people who, who Turkey are sending against Rojava.
0: Why do you think they targeted Haverin specifically? Because it does look like this was a targeted assassination, it doesn't look like they just happened to find her, you know what I mean?
1: It's so true, because of many reasons. First, she is a woman. She's an activist woman in, in the rights of the woman and the community, and she representing the democracy, co-presidency, everything she is calling for. It's anti-those jihadists here who just wanna, uh, you know, the same state, Islamic state, that they were already implementing against the woman, specifically. So she is the sign and she is the symbol of the Rojava. She her character is carrying all the the, the characteristics that representing the the woman hard worker activists for the human rights and the woman rights. Second, she is a Kurd, and she they, those people are targeting because it's um, in a way glancing, you know, essentially glancing. So they are targeting in a way specific group. So they targeted her in order to uh, give a sign or give a message to the Kurd women who already fight against them and defeated them in Raqqa. Uh, the Ytj so uh, it was a message, and uh, the third uh, reason, it's like uh, to discuss administration, uh, people like, uh, we are against your system, it's not about against only the military or, or geographically to take uh, part, it's about the system, the system that you are implementing, the democratic system that you are implementing in northeast of Syria, we are against it. So when they kill Roj, when they kill Heverin, it's like we wanted to kill the same way, in a horrible way, your system. So I think this is the message that they wanted to give it to the population here via that uh,
0: act. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, about what's going on with the YPG? What about the frontline fighting? You know, very few videos are coming out because obviously they want to keep things quiet. But we know they're still in Sirikani fighting um, Talabiyad. What's, what's going on?
1: Actually, it's, as you said, it's so difficult to get information in this operation because of many reasons. First, because the slipper of the ISIS it's so active and they are cutting the roads. And it's unsafe to move. And you know the, the Rojava, and north of Syria, it's so expensive way. Second, uh, there is air striking, there is a shelling. It's too heavy, and uh, you cannot reach there. It's so risky. Already, there is a uh, two journalists have been killed there, and there is a, many of them have been injured. So it's a difficult to reach and get the information and, and, you know, film or work as a journalist in that field, because even there is a now uh, a talk about uh, uh, chemical weapons have been used in Seregani. Uh, the war, it's, uh, the fighting, it's too heavy. There is a lot of, uh, um, already there is, you know, the SDF, are announcing the uh, numbers of the mercenaries who have been killed at the same time. Uh, Their uh, fighters who for Shahid and Marteer in this fighting. Uh, the civilian on the other side. So at the end, it's not just a number. People are suffering, I mean, on all the levels. So it's not about like uh, today how each side uh, lost. In a way, we are losing Korean. Already we do that since the years, and now it's again.
0: Right. What do you make of this new situation where the regime has basically, you know, been given a lot of control over Rajava? Obviously, you know, the YPG have been pushed to this, but maybe you can explain what the deal is, because there's a lot of misinformation. Um, and I guess how you feel about it, you know, you're from these places.
1: Actually, the people have to understand first. The one of the regions that first started the revolution in Syria, it was like after Daraa, it was in in Rojava, in Hamshli, and these region cities. I mean, uh, it's not like we are uh, like a regime or we are supportive for the regime. No, it's not like that. The idea is like when the regime was busy. Uh, with the other parts of Syria to liberate it from the other jihadists or whatever, and, and to oppress his, uh, uh, you know, uh, obsessions. In in northeast of Syria, there was already jihadists who attacked Jabhat al-Nusra, FSA, and ISIS uh, recently. So the population of this region they defend themselves. So when we came now, we said that Turkey wanted to occupy a part of Syria. So it's not became only the duty for the people of north Earth of Syria to protect this land. It's a national security. It's a national security for Syria. So it's a duty obligation in the constitution from the Syrian government to protect their borders, national borders, from the occupators. It doesn't matter whom. And now in this scenario, it's a Turkey. So... To do this part, it's like their duty. What the YPG or the SDF done, they just tell the, 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 the governments that you have to take your responsibilities. You have to protect the national uh, border because we already done our parts. We protect this uh, area and you are always accusing us that we wanted to separate Syria while we don't want. And as a proof of that, we want you to come and to cover all the borders. So they asked them to cover the border. Even it still like a partially have been implemented in some uh, areas uh, uh, internally. Even uh, the saf said clearly, the statement: it's just on the border. They will not go. The safe administration will keep functioning inside this, uh, the the Rojava and the other areas. Plus, let's take in consideration even though the Syrian regime will be on the border. That doesn't mean internally maybe they will be fighting between the SPF and the regime internally. So on the external level, they will take the border. They have to protect it because it's a national security. But internally, in between the self-administration, if the regime in Damascus, they didn't like it, maybe in future there will be also clashes or fightings or disagreements between them. So the, the agreement for now it's just a current memorandum. It's not long-term projects or agreement, and even it's not agreement. It's just understanding memorandum currently for specifically this situation, and uh, it's uh, as we said, it's just for this situation currently. And then uh, regarding the other, I, I met some people. You know, I met some people who are already have been in demonstrations against the Assad, who have been uh, already fighting uh, against this regime. Uh, the, all of them said, like, uh, for sure, we're gonna, uh, we are trusting our management, we are trusting the SDF, but at the same time, we trust them that they will not gonna deliver us to the regime and we will not accept it. Because we didn't fight in order to back under the umbrella of the regime again. The idea, we have our self-administration, we are sensing ourselves, we want our autonomous. The idea of their separating on the border, if it's going to protect us from the occupiers, from the Turk, for sure we'll accept this. But otherwise, to come and take over all the self-administration, neither of the population nor the SDA, none, of, none of them announced it or they show any acceptance or support that.
0: Sure, but it's still quite sad to see, you know, regime, for example, like entering Kobane and how do you feel about that, you know, after years of escaping all of their, you know, the authoritarian ways of the regime, to now even see them on the border, like, how does that make you feel?
1: Actually, maybe it will be so hard for the people to let, to hurt this for me and the people who have been oppressed by the regime. For me, as a Kurd woman, I have been twice fired from my jobs just because I'm a Kurd. I have been in many occasions oppressed just because I have. And I was all over this years in my region. I didn't live. Maybe if I told you this is the worst moment for me, people were going to say like, no, ISIS is worse. ISIS is jihadi. Turks are our enemies. But the regime already, we started all this revolution against the regime. For me, when they said, to be honest, I couldn't stop crying for two days. I was like, uh, until now I'm saying, if the regime came over, if, and hopefully it will not, but if the regime came over all this region, for sure I will going to leave. Even I didn't leave, I didn't think to leave. Now the Turk attack, I didn't think to leave when the ISIS attack, I didn't think to leave when the Jabhat al-Nusra attack, but now when we say like the regime will cannot get, came over all this region, for sure I will leave. It's not about the regime itself, about the mentality, it's about the uh, dictator mentality that have been implemented and is implementing in the other regions of the Syria still. So after all this revolution, I think we deserve a uh, freedom and we deserve our rights, our as a Kurd. If the regime came and want us to back to the square first square. For sure, neither me, neither a lot of people who start this war, they will be able to stay here. And this is one of the worst and saddest moment in my life, and specifically in all over these years of the
0: war. Yeah, it's horrible. Um, how about t- today, like literally what, like 20 minutes before we just spoke, America has come out with this, oh, there's a ceasefire. I read it quickly, it doesn't look like a ceasefire. They basically said that YPG has to remove themselves from this so-called safe zone that Turkey wants to implement. And then basically YPG as spokesman has said, no, we're not going to. So in my opinion, it looks like they're going to then frame it as well, YPG are the aggressors. They had time to move, but why should they move? You know, what do you think about this ceasefire? I don't even want to call it that because I don't want anyone to get the wrong idea, but you know, what do you think about it? What are people saying on the ground? I know you said there was a lot of celebratory gunfire, but it seems a bit premature. I already mentioned before, the Americans, they betrayed
1: the, the court, but there is, every day they are showing us a new face of this betrayal. They announcement that it's agreement, but it's not, they, and YPG denied that, and they said we already need to withdraw to 70 kilometers, it's rejected. And Dar Khalil, he uh, announced that and he published that, it's rejected, so it's not accepted. Yeah, they could near a time, the YPJ specifically because the heavy weapon that they took was the, one of the NATO members using against the court, uh, they have been in, in Tel Aviv in Serikani and in Tel
0: uh, very in a very critical situation. Even today, there was a, uh, not a
1: lot of injuries, civilian and military in a hospital in Serikani, and the mercenaries, they were trying to, to surround that and destroy the hospital fully. So we needed the humanitarian corridor in order to evacuate the injuries. I do understand um, maybe they needed time to rebuild again the front lines, but at the same time, withdrawing, I don't think it's a good idea because whenever we withdraw, it, like what happened in Afrin, never you can get get it back from the Turk and those mercenaries. So either we're going to resist or we will going to die all of us. There is no solution. If we're going to deliver the, 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 the places or... or To them, it will be next, the other place, because they will not going to stop it. If, for example, they are now talking about between Sarigani and Lavey, even if the YPG or the SDF said, like, okay, we're going to give it to you, next it will be Kobani, after it will be Khamenei, they will not going to stop it. We give them a time, we give them a space to move between all the cities here. I don't think it's a good idea, and I think we have to continue as we are, uh, fighting all all over the world, all over the border because uh, the front lines, it's expanded, not as Turkey expected, they were going to just focus it in one place. It's starting from the Derek to uh, Kobani, so it's around uh, 700, 750 kilometers all over the border and uh, the Turk, uh even it's like uh, more than a, a week it's uh, passed they couldn't make any uh, progressive or any development in the front or make any advance even they have uh, using the, the, the air striking, shelling, heavy weapons all that thousands of these mercenaries their army all that but they couldn't make any uh, you know like uh, noticeable advance in the front lines so this is also show how the SDF are ready for that
0: yeah like to be honest when the airstrikes aren't hitting the 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 turkish-backed mercenaries don't seem very effective you know they seem to be i don't know there's there's some reports that they've been retreating i've even seen footage where ypg have taken one of the apcs off of them a turkish apc like they don't seem to be doing that well without the airstrikes exactly
1: my friends they are on the front lines and all of them say if the airstrike it's no-fly zone, and this is one of the main things that the court keeps asking the, the Americans. We just need no-fly zone. Otherwise, even the troops, the weapon, it's not answer uh, between both groups uh, if we compare administration to the turkey as a state even though they said just give us no slides on and you will see we will going to manage to resist we will going to fight we're going to struggle in the front lines but even though they didn't stop because they know deeply that their mercenaries and their soldiers will not gonna make any advance without the air striking it's the only way in order to keep them in the front lines otherwise all, over, all of them will going to withdraw and there is some videos who are where while there are hundreds of them withdrawing because in a way, look we have to understand those people are saying they are fighting for money. They don't take principles or beliefs it's just about the money they are paying them because of that they are fighting but when they are saying how the others are killing, killed their friends or, or, or the people that came with them they are became more afraid and they feel like uh, why I am fighting this and they want to withdraw. and the Turk not allowed it even yesterday there was a, a moment that the Turk closed the gate behind the Insari and they stuck in, in, in front of the uh, YPJ because the Turk know it that if they did they will gonna all of them withdraw. So this, if, as you said, the, the the air striking, if it stopped for sure, it will make a, a lot of change and on behalf of the SDF, because those fighters they are fighting for their lands, their homeland, their project, their beliefs. Those people are fighting because they believe in this, uh, you know, there is, it's more valuable for them to fight for what it's, it's not, uh, uh, they are fighting on behalf of themselves and their population and their families. They have a power, they have a power of determination and motivation, What the mercenaries, what they have, just only paid by money, so the money it's not, uh, you cannot, say, you know, buy a life.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, How about you? have been doing a lot of uh, work in the hospitals. Maybe you can talk about the kind of injuries you've seen. I know, you know, like you've said before about the children are dying, but maybe you can just go into a bit more detail about the injuries. I think it's important.
1: The injuries that I saw, as I said, the first day it was the Syria groups and uh, the the two families from the uh, west of Kamshli. all of them have been, it was shelled. it was mortars, And uh, most of the cases, it was a civil because of the fractions. I went to the places that uh, have been shelled. all of them civilian, and they didn't have any military uh, bases next to them, even though the Turkey said, I'm attacking the military. And it was not true, I documented all that. Uh, I went to Al-Haseki Hospital as well, uh, at the hospitals as well, uh, the cases of recently it's more um, sensitive and critical. Let's say, basically, as I mentioned before, there is a doubt and suspicion by all the doctors that there is um, using of the uh, chemical weapon. And uh, now I, I called even uh, Kurdish Red Cross uh, friend, and he said we send uh, samples to KRG, and we we're gonna test it, and uh, to prove that if it's a chemical or not. Because they said there is a kind of scars and, and burn. It's not normal. He said we'd never see this, and we don't know what it is. It's so weird, and it's uh, uh, burning all the body. It's all the the, the flesh. Uh, 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 you know, it's the body. It says it's make a holes and scars, and it's unusual as i said it's a civilian and what's hurt me
0: it's like a children basically women pregnant women they were there even some people are disabled
1: even though they became into police because of the fractions um, I mean, even the people who haven't been injured, I met many of people, they have uh, attack. they have uh, like a shock and in a kind of PTSD. I met like the neighbor of the Syrian family, there was two men next to them and they couldn't, even after uh, uh, the, uh, the events or the, the accident which happened uh, after that two days, I met them and they were completely shaking and cannot stop crying and they were saying like, we have to move but we don't know to work this it's a kind of psychological injuries it's not about we are talking injuries The people have been uh, the even the children who saw this they were crying they were shaking they could I cannot sleep uh, the sound of the shelling, all this it's a kind of injuries but we don't talk about it we just saw the hospital's injury the in the hospital as i said it's full of blood it's full of tension it's full of people uh, crying it's you know screaming of the pain it's 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 the scene like you cannot describe it even really you just get depressed and wanted to be out because you cannot see how the humans so why happened to those people they are just either housewives or, or children or elderly people and why they are paying the cost of what for what reason
0: uh, i don't know for, for like trump to basically have some kind of business deal in turkey it seems yeah. What, what about the ISIS stuff, you know, like we've seen that Turkey shelled the, the I think, Jerkin prison in Kamishli where the ISIS prisoners were held, five of them escaped from there. We're hearing that people have escaped from Ain Isa. They even shelled the, the Kobani ISIS prison. Like, what's going on there? Are they trying to free them to, like, cause, you know, problems? What do you think? Even
1: before this happened, the uh, self-administration, uh, uh, high officials, all of them were always warning the Americans, the Europeans, all over the world that, uh, please, uh, let's find the solution for this. Because we cannot hold uh, these prisoners. If anything happened, we will give a priority to our uh, front lines to protect our population. We were not gonna just all stop and guarding these ISIS. And unfortunately, no one took this uh, uh, warns uh, in a series. And this is what happened. In the beginning, when the shelling started, usually in the prison and in the camp, there was a special forces expertise who are handling the anti terror, uh, guarding those people who are very dangerous in the camps and in the prisons. Unfortunately, when the shelling started, after uh, in the second or third day, uh, they withdraw these forces, they send them to the front lines and it was uh, they have been replaced with the normal guards, you know, like a uh, locals and some of them maybe they are pro-ISIS, some of them like uh, they are not expertise to deal with them, even though they have to, so they replace them with the normal police in, in the prison and in the uh, camps. What happened, the women in the camps, they have been in communication, with the uh, Turk and with the ISIS in the other side. So there was a plan between both of them and all the movement that it was already planned. For example, the isa camp, I have a friend, I communicate with them on the ground and how it this happened? The mercenaries, they came, there was some sleeper sales. So they helped them to come across the uh, Turkish border to enter the Syria in some way. Then they, they arrived to the M4 uh, highway. After that, they moved it gradually to close to isa camp. They didn't come to the Rojava they they moved it to the... Camp, uh, so already they have a goal in order to, they have an aim to release those women their and children. So they moved there. Before they, uh, my friend, he said, we saw them four kilometers behind the camp in the west of the Ainisa. Before they attack, there was already shelling from the Turkish territory. They started to attack, uh, to, to shell the camp. They, when they shell the camp, there was a chaos. The mass. Everyone started to panic. Everyone ran. Then the mercenaries came and they evacuated those families. And the families fled for sure. And the IDPs and refugees of uh, after that they fled. But the the what make it this very clear? It's planned. The ISIS wise when they they plan uh, when they fled, they didn't flee. Directly, what they done? They burned all the self-administration, the management of the, the Anisa camp. They burned everything, the documents, everything. So they know what they are doing. They know that they don't want any evidence or any information about them to be left in the management. They burned everywhere. Then they left. Not only that. And the second day, when the Turkish started to send mortars and shell the company. They shell Cherkin and Navkore prison, which is very close to the border. It's like a less uh, less than one kilometer. What they, they, they didn't shell inside the, the I mean the building. They shared the gates and I saw that. So they shelled the gates and it's uh it's a sign. Like uh, why you are shelling the gates? Why you don't shell like um, the you know the building itself? So he, they don't want to kill them. They want to release them. And unfortunately, in North Korea and, and in uh, Turkey, they already have been um, five. They fled, and the others have been arrested. In the video, it's showing. It's not just five. I asked about that, and the guards told me it's uh, they managed to arrest. Uh, the, the rest, just only five I managed to flee. In Al Hasaka prison, which is holding uh, around uh, 1,000 to 2,000 uh, ISIS locals, uh, also there was a slipper seal, ISIS uh, slipper seal. They, they uh, tried, they put uh, a car uh, next to the uh, prison in order to collapse the wall and uh, allow them to to flee. But uh, uh, fortunately nothing happened and the the, the guards managed to hold the prison again. But that doesn't mean uh, the risk is over, that doesn't mean uh, everything is over because there is more prison over. For Rojava, there is more camps and basically like a whole you know how there is a violent cases there is a risky woman and children even trained children there And um, they are thousands they are not like just and it's a hundred or like Roj, hundreds of them in al it's a thousands and there is a very critical risk it's increased day by day and hour by hour that's also they will gonna uh, manage to release them or on slipper seals or the turkish or bombardment or air striking uh, they will help them and they will go and release them. All of all of this it's black. it's not a, it's not like happened and there is a... Uh, you know, telegram room for the ISIS wives, there is information have been, in, uh, uh, you know, tracked in that room and there is information that they are in a communication with the intelligence of the Turk, and they are coordinating with them what they're supposed to do and what not to do. Uh, they started to make uh, different protests um, in different occasions, uh, protests in Al-Holstein last week, but even though it's still under the control, but there is no guarantee it's will escape.
0: It's a real mess. Um, Habat, is there anything else you want to say before we kind of end this? There's so much going on. Like, Is there anything we've missed that you think we should mention? I think the main issue that also we have to highlight is the
1: humanitarian effect on the population here. There is a lot of thousands of the IDPs all over Rojava and basically they are displaced to the countryside of the cities or to the uh, um, main cities like uh, Al-Hasakeh. And it became over uh, loaded and unfortunately the NGOs, the UN and the others they are not responding enough to the needs of the population. I visited their the situation, it's a very uh, miserable in a way because they need the basic needs of the population. It's not been respond and uh, um, the number it's increased even the business for example the guy uh, the, the the management of the municipality of the hasaka he was saying usually in a hasaka city uh, they are baking every day around uh, 35 ton of the floor but after this uh, last week they started to uh, uh, use 15 ton of the floor so that means the, the numbers increased. Uh, Double, if not more. And uh, all these thousands of the IDPs, I think, the, the International Committee and all the NGO and all the UN agencies have to respond to I mean, it's a human... It's on the ground and get worse and worse every day there is a people are just living in the desert even though they have been airstriking so we have to take consideration that not only the injuries of this uh, uh, effect on the civilian and shelling and all that also the IDP issue
0: yeah alright Habat thank you very much um, stay safe yeah and good luck you
1: too thank you very much
0: Habat Abbas speaking about the invasion of northeast Syria or Rojava Follow her about on Twitter. She's active now posting regular updates from the ground, from the battle, from the hospitals everywhere. Uh, that is Twitter.com slash Habat underscore which is spelt K H A B A T underscore A B A S. Twitter.com slash Habat underscore Definitely follow her if you want updates on what's going on in Rajava right now. This episode was sponsored by thedefencepost.com defense with an s check them out for regular updates on the world at war also if you like what we're doing please do consider supporting us we've got up to 40 bonus episodes on the patreon right now it's basically a whole different podcast if you like uh, all popular front though go to patreon.com slash popular front or if you want to donate with bitcoin or a one-off payment or whatever go to popularfront.co/support and all the details are there also subscribe to us on youtube we've got a new doc coming up soon from hong kong the trailer is already up it's called uh, add oil on the front line with the hong kong protesters something like that. i can't remember exactly but yeah um, go to youtube.com/popularfront also on the instagram we're not yet shadow banned even though um actually no no what not about we shadow banned to fuck we're always getting shadow banned but we're not yet fully banned um so yeah instagram.com slash popular.front instagram removes so much stuff from our page like i don't i don't know how we're not um how we're not removed yet but whatever uh, you know <laughs> at least we're not we've got loads of stuff going on there um, have a look you know Popular Front Aesthetics all of that you can see it instagram.com slash popular.front twitter twitter.com slash popularfrontco or you can follow me Jake underscore Hanrahan uh, thank you very much to the following people on the Patreon Adam berg Axel Iverson Azad Brian McLaughlin Callum Ross Chad Walker Christina Rivetti Christopher Martin Craig Miller Dan Dunham Daniel Shearer David Gilmore Diana Gorvenek Eloise Larson Emiliano Emily Molly Fletcher Tate Jack Mayhoff James from the Discord Joanne Stocker Joel Tambusi Josh Juan Hernandez Kay Hardy Roberts Kyle N. Payne Lawrence Abrahams L. H. Lika Madik Margaret Bowling Moody Al-Rashid Nate Van Dor, Noah, Ari from the Discord, Patrick Bronte, Peter McCormack, Hubal, Russia Alakidi, Rohan Abari, Ryan Sandercock, Scartoon Music, Sebastian from the Discord, Surushe Hawazi, Stephen Davila, Tom Loughran, Tony Bin, Vida Provost, Zachary Hinch. Thank you very much. Again, if you want to support us, if you want to see Popular Front, keep moving forward go to patreon.com slash popularfront bonus episodes access to the discord uh, narrated articles you know we put video clips up there the documentaries go up there before anyone else you get a lot for very little I think a lot more uh, Popular Front content and also you know you get to help keep this going because we are 100% grassroots that is not going to change yeah again thank you very much to everybody who participated in the Popular Front 10k campaign um, I've sent out some of the behind the scenes stuff from Hong Kong and there'll be a lot more coming soon. Just let me finish this dock and get a few things out of the way and then you know there'll be loads more. But yeah, thank you very much. Uh, it's made a massive difference already. We've got some new equipment, proper Mac to be able to edit with. It's not gonna crash every two seconds or like burn out because there's not enough uh, space. Um, camera equipment, all sorts man so you will see actually already you're going to start seeing you'll see even from the Hong Kong doc like already the production levels have gone up massively so the levels are going to get higher and higher Um, thank you very much music in this episode the intro was by Home and the outro was by Sam Black also known as Son of Old go to his SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash son dash of dash old